0: My style is that um, I want kids to, I really want kids to know that they're accountable for what they do. Um, I want them to understand that uh, they have freedom, but with that freedom comes responsibility.
1: Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Utick. Well, welcome back to Shifting Our Schools, episode 81. Thank you for tuning in and subscribing in your favorite podcast player. And if you haven't yet, if you're just listening to this on the web, I would highly recommend that you grab your phone and open up whatever podcasting app you would like and look for Shifting Our Schools and add us for your weekly feed because we are coming with some great conversations here at the end of the year as teachers are reflecting on a year-long progress. And more about that in just a second. Yesterday was one of my favorite ge- Out Moments of the Year happened. Uh, That is the Google Developers Conference. My wife knows that you do not disturb me during the Google I.O., otherwise known as the Google Developer Conference, and uh, the Apple WWDC, which is their developer conference in May. Both of these are held in May. They are two incredible conferences. Uh, And both of these conferences, what I love is these are two of the technology giants of our time. And it's at these conferences that they you can really see the vision of companies. Where are they going? Where are they focusing? What does this mean for us uh, as consumers? And that's I, I just it's incredible what these companies are doing. It's incredible their vision of what the future could look like. And there are so many enhancements coming to Google Search that are amazing. Um, they are now allowing this is just you know as this is a podcast. One of the things that they announced is in your search results coming shortly when you do a search on Google, that there will not only be podcasts in your search results, but it will actually take you into the podcast to the exact section that is talking about whatever you're searching about. So for example, if you're doing a search for, say, project-based learning, and we talk about project-based learning somewhere in an episode, that episode could show up in your search results, and you don't have to listen to the whole episode. It'll actually bring you into the part that talks about project-based learning. Just think about the... Human language database that has to be has to be running in the background for something like that. It's mind blowing to think about what is happening um, on the internet today. And these companies are so forward thinking. It's just incredible. I, I highly recommend uh, you can go back. It's live streamed on YouTube, so you can go back and actually see it on YouTube. Uh, I really. I really, really think you should sit down and, uh, and watch those episodes. If you're if you're in the tech business, if you're a tech coach, it's just incredible. You get to learn so much about these uh, companies. Uh, and the same thing will be happening with Apple here in a couple of weeks and, and where they're headed. So just an incredible time uh, to sit down and see where these companies are. Are going So uh, that was a great moment for me again yesterday as I, I, again, I take every May and and watch these conferences. And it really shows you the vision of where technology is leading us in humanity. Um, Also, just a reminder that I'm now filling up my calendar for August keynote dates to open the school year. If you think my talk this year titled Respecting Students and Their Culture Would Be Relevant for Your School, District, or Staff, please do reach out to me. If you want to hear some of what that keynote offers, you can go back and listen to episodes 63, 64, 74, and 75. Uh, they're all pieces within those different episodes of what this year's keynote will look like. My dates do fill up fast, so uh, they do come on a first contact basis. So please reach out if you think that would be a good fit. Now, this week, I'm so excited to have Gunnar, an English teacher from Claw High School, to be the first to complete his exit conversation with me. I've been working with the Claw School District for four years now. It has been a fantastic partnership as they've rolled out their one-to-one program starting four years ago. What I love is, as you know, it's not about the device, it's about the learning. Well, this year, I spent the entire school year in a blended learning environment with 16 teachers from two middle schools in Enumclaw High School. We spent three days in face-to-face learning together, and the teachers had three seven-week online learning modules they were working through. They had to blog... And they had to vlog, they had to upload YouTube videos, they'd use uh, Flipgrid, uh, their experience uh, to, that had to experience the kind of categorize or reflect on their experience along the way. And just to torture them a little bit more, I am making them have exit conversations so that you get to hear their amazing stories and ideas coming from this year of what the school leaders called, and I love this, it's, quote, being unleashed, unquote, to try something new, different, and experiment with learning. Chris Beals and I have been trying to capture our work together in a case study that you can find at my website, and I'll link to it here in the show notes, where you can learn more about what that partnership has looked like and morphed into over the years. But from now, it's all about Gunnar as he talks about his classroom, his approach to learning, and what he learned from this massive project he took on in his classroom this year. Enjoy this great conversation, and on with the show. All right, well, Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm here with Gunnar from Enum Classical School District. Good evening, Gunnar.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good. Uh, we're just here doing uh, some exit interviews with a cadre that I've been working with for uh, this past year. And so, Gunnar is here with us to just talk about um, his classroom and the way that he's using technology with his students and some of the projects that he's working on. So, as we get started, Gunnar, will you please introduce yourself? Where did you come from? How did you get into teaching? Uh, what drove you to this crazy profession?
0: Um, actually, I I always wanted to be a teacher. I think is one of those uh, one of those people that knew very early that's what I wanted to do. You know, from middle school, grade school, and then uh, I was uh, I was that nerdy kid who was always reading ahead in all the literature books in my English classes. You know, they, they give you the they give you like the book that had like you know 50 short stories and poems, all this kind of stuff, and I would I would just kind of ignore the teacher and just read and read and read. And so it was always a something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I got sidetracked a little bit um, after college. I bounced uh, around for a few years. I was coaching track and field at the collegiate level, and mm, cool. uh, it, basically, I, I, I tried to try to take a shortcut, even uh, <laughs> the grad assistant thing, and uh, trying to get school paid for it. It turned into a long cut, and then uh, about six years at, into that, I kind of realized I needed to refocus. To my- <laughs> so, so uh, but it was good because coaching gave me. A little bit of experience in terms of working with students and, and a different methodology of of teaching you know the teaching and coaching are very similar in a lot of things you do in the way you have to communicate and making plans and uh, and working with students you know and so it was good and so this is my sixth year uh, at Enumclaw, uh and I teach English and part-time history whenever they kind of need me to jump in on that and so cool so
1: is cloth the mean. only school district you worked at or did you work at other places too? yeah
0: so it, so what happened was um I got in. There was a there was a teacher who was kind of taking leave. She was she'd gotten pregnant. And she wanted to go part time, and so I kind of had a part time position. And then after she left, I kind of took over for her on a full time position. And I think fortunately, it was just a spot that nobody else wanted to take a half time <laughs> position. But but it was good because it, it was a really smooth transition because most teachers get thrown in, you know, with six periods or five periods and you know a couple of different preps i had one prep three periods so that first year was a lot uh, smoother for me to transition into the teaching world than it was if i'd been thrown right in yeah so, no. so i was very fortunate and so yeah i've, I've been there uh my whole career which cool, is short, cool.
1: So. well describe your describe your classroom a little bit like what's your what's kind of your style and and um, how do you like to to kind of manage learning in your classroom?
0: I think my style is that, um, I want kids to, I really want kids to know that they're accountable for what they do. Yeah. Um, I want them to understand that, uh, they have freedom, but with that freedom comes responsibility, you know? Uh, and so when it comes to assignments and tasks and things that I do, a lot of it is, structured because i've learned how to be more structured i'm a kind of abstract random learner and i realize i'm an abstract random teacher and so i've had to learn to be more structured than what i do but i definitely encourage kids to go beyond that um and and kind of allow them to have that freedom but understanding that that they can they can take risks but with those risks come either great rewards or disaster and so trying to get them to understand that the disasters aren't the end of the world it's just a learning process that you go into um so i try to think that in my classroom i try to promote creative thinking i try to promote them going outside of just the the abc check the box off kind of teaching style yeah. um and then what i like about literature is anything falls under my umbrella and what i yeah. tell my kids is is if it, if it involves a word or, or something spoken i can throw it in there so so i also incorporate a lot of things that i think are important like uh like we do a metalog Monday where it's all about thinking about the way they think and neuroscience and okay. uh, like the chemistry of the brain and, and learning styles. And then uh, on Fridays, it's free advice Friday where I just spout off about, what <laughs> you know, but, but getting to realize that, that English is, in my opinion, there's a structural part of it. There's the, the grammar, the, the essays, but then there's the humanities parts of it. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes we, we get so caught up on the structural part that we miss the, the stories and, and the ideologies that, that we want to incorporate in them.
1: So. Yeah, I love that, I love that. Talk a little bit, um, you've been in a one-to-one classroom now for three years? Are, is this year three yeah. or year, yeah. three or year yeah. four for you? Yeah, something, something like that. that. Talk a little bit about what that has meant for you um, as a teacher. How how's that, How has that changed your teaching style, or, or what is it that, how, how has that helped or changed your teaching style, going one to one I don't know if
0: it's, I don't know if there's been a lot of drastic changes. Um, I think that there's still a lot of core fundamentals that you yeah. have that are, you know, and kind of what I say is if you give me a, you know, a chalkboard and whatever, I can, I can teach my class. But it definitely adds an element of, I think, speed that you didn't mm-hmm. have before, um, of accessibility that you didn't have before. Um, and a level of distraction that you didn't have before so it's, yeah. it's balancing a lot of different uh um changes and i think that for students it's good because the the use of technology is becoming such a predominant part of their lives and all our lives and so you know things like cell phone use in the classroom things like uh you know how to responsibly use research and and what kind of sources to use uh it's all things that i think are going to become even more relevant for them in the future because that's the world they're growing up in yeah I you know agree. it's definitely shifted the idea of you know the rote memorization because you know i heard someone say they were talking about how when they were when they were kids and they were in students you know the teachers would yell at him and say, you know, you're not going to carry a calculator with you, you know, every day. And yeah, like, yeah, 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 we are. Yeah, yeah we back. are. And, and an encyclopedia. Yeah, and, and everything the and Yeah, everything we need, you know. <laughs> and so, but that, it, it's it's interesting because one thing that, that I've also noticed is the, the need for information, it has become so, uh, how would I say that? Uh, They've become so reliant on someone else providing the information or the content Mm. for them. Um, They've become so reliant on being able to say, what is the answer? Well, I'll look it up. And so right now we're working on this, this I search paper. And what I told them is they they come up with a central question, but their goal is not to find someone else's answer to the question. Mm. Their goal is not to find a source that says, this is the answer to what I want to know. Their job is to come up with their own answer using information that they've found on kind of, lower level questions about it you know yeah. they're, they're researching components of their ideas and then coming up with their own ideas and i think that the danger that i've seen with a lot of uh the work that comes out recently is is students just want to give you the right answer yeah whether it's their answer or not they just want yeah. to give you the right answer and they want to look up the right answer yeah you know and yeah. so that's changed that's changed that a little bit but <laughs> but other than that uh, do you allow
1: cell phones in your classroom
0: i okay. do and i I, I often kind of go back and forth on this, and luckily I work with juniors. Um, and juniors are kind of approaching that, you know, close to adulthood type age. Yeah. What I tell my students is, listen, you you have 50 minutes with me in this class. Yeah. If you want to spend your time on your cell phone messing around and doing nothing, that due date's not going to change. Like yeah. I'm not going to alter things for you, um, because I think that if you take it from them they've become so reliant upon. I mean, it's become such a, such a, you know, it's a, yeah. I mean, and, and when you take it away from them, it's, it's almost, you know, they're, they're just going to glare at you with, <laughs> in their eyes, you know, and so, um, so what I try to do is I, I spend a lot of time talking about the effects of cell phone usage. I talk about, I, I bring in scientific studies where they talk about how, um, you know, sc- schools that allow cell phones, Sometimes usually perform less, talk about the 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 amount of time they spend on it. I talk about the uh, uh the neuroscience of what's happening in their brain and how mm-hmm. how they become reliant on this shot of dopamine every time a, a,
1: a notification a comes. notification
0: comes up yeah. you know and, and basically, what I tell them is is if you were to boil it all down, your cell phone costs you about you know fifteen percent towards your grade, and you're trading you're trading you know instead of having an A, you have a b minus yeah. And that's the price that you pay for your phone. And for some students, they they kind of get that and they understand that and they and they want to do it. But it's a it's amazing to me how many students say, "Well, it's worth it." Like yeah. if I said, "Hey, your grade will go up, you know, from a C to an A if you give me your cell phone," they say, "Well, I, I'd rather take the C take and the C,
1: just, yeah, isn't that fascinating? The phone so it is,
0: and and it's it's a phenomenon that, like I said, I I believe that for this generation and, and even future generations, yeah, the cell phone usage is going to be one of the major Problems that they're going to have to solve for themselves yeah. in the real world, and how they use it, and how it shifts the way they communicate, the way they interact with one another, and you know, all the reports about mental health and the spikes and things like depression and suicide rates yeah. among teens. I'm not saying it's all directly tied to it, but it definitely has a contributing factor that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, but I
1: can't. I, I would rather them make that decision for themselves than have yeah. me. Well, and them. to your yeah. point, you know, when you're talking juniors and seniors in high school, I mean, how, how much can you, like you're doing, you know, you bring them the evidence, you show yeah. them the impact that it's having. Yeah. But at some point, this generation is going to have to step up and say, we need to do something about this, or how mm-hmm. are we going to, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, cell phone companies, I think are getting better about, you know, putting uh, wellness apps on the phone that show how many mm-hmm. times you've unlocked and what your notifications are. And, yeah. I mean, the, I think the problem around that right now is, is there's not really a guideline to say, if you look at your phone 200 times a day, that's too much. Yeah, Like nobody yeah. says, or if you get over 5,000 notifications and it like, what is the standard? Like the average person should get 100 notifications a day and unlock their phone 55 times. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that becomes the issue because it's such a new world. We don't know what... When when does use become too much use? Yeah,
0: when, when is it when is it when it an addiction? You yeah, know? exactly. But, but, but I also, think you are struggling with that. What what I think is also hard about that conversation is that you know when you look at them neurologically in terms of brain development, they don't have the executive function and they don't yeah. have the the impulse control. And there there is a part of me that says an adult needs to be that an adult yeah. needs to be the one who who manages that. But the truth is 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 it's hard. It's yeah. They're they're sneaky and and no. they're and they're just they're constant. I mean, it's it's like holding back, you know, yeah. tied with with your hands. You just yeah. can't do it because <laughs> because every day it's a new challenge, you know. And so so you try to establish routines, but it's really easy to just fall into complacency because it's so prevalent, yeah. you know, every single day. Do you allow
1: earbuds in your customer? I
0: I what I try to tell them is my policy is this: is if I'm talking, give me your attention. But even that's hard because, like I said. I, if I'm looking on the right side of the classroom, someone yeah. on the left is doing that, you know. And also now you're getting into, you know, the wireless earbuds. Yeah, where earbuds a kid are... Akil just, yeah, <laughs> pop up, pop up his hood or pull his hair down or you know, or hair down. He's just like, know. So it's it's a challenge. And, yeah. And there's, and there's all totally these things is. that that uh, that we look at and say, oh man, it's a problem. Yeah. And, but but at the same time, it's a reality. It's uh, yeah. it's something that's that's going to become so you know, integral to, to everything they do that, yeah. that you're going to have to find a way to address
1: it. Yeah. It's I love not that. not the
0: traditional takeaway from them.
1: I yeah. Know. And I agree. I think, I think we're in challenging times and I don't have all the answers, you know, I don't know what the right answer <laughs> right. is. Right. And it, it's, it's hard. I think, I think your approach of just constantly having conversations with them and trying to say, do you realize this? Do you understand what is happening to the brain? Do you you know, do you know how many times you, you check your phone during a class period or during yeah. the day or, you know, the more we can just be aware of it, um, you know, helps us to make helps us to make some of those. Well, so, and,
0: and I think what, what the victory is, is when you do have that kid that makes that choice. Um, but what I, what I don't think we sometimes accept is how hard that choice is to make on a daily basis. Yeah, it's really easy for them to do it for two, three days, maybe a yeah. week, but it slips back into that because. The truth is is you're talking about the 45 to 50 minutes that you have with me and then boom it's right back out as soon as yeah. they, they walk out the door you know and and i think about you know uh we just did our standardized testing yeah. Uh, and one of the policies is you need to put your cell phone away and you can't have it yeah and you tell them that and you say hey put your phone in your bag and still halfway through the test you'll see a kid you know it out of the pocket kind of look down you're like dude like like i told you like oh i didn't know no you you did know know, like you you just chose you know thing and so so it's it's a challenge because it is it's uh it's a major it's a major influence in in every aspect of their life
1: yeah so let's talk a little bit about the project that uh you've kind of been embarking on this (laughs) year i know it's been a hit and miss kind of thing um i think you and allison and steve uh did you know you went for it uh which i think is awesome you know and so maybe just kind of explain okay what was what was the project what kind of what was your what was like the utopia of perfect This is going to be where did this where did this project end up
0: so what it was was we were we were talking about trying to have a cross content um experience for students uh combining a couple classes and come up with a project-based learning and so what we came up with was it's a it's a history class it's an English class and then an anatomy physiology class So we, we were just kind of like well we're just going to make it work yeah <laughs> so what we came up with was this idea that we we, we were going to ask them a big question the big question we were going to ask is is uh um, how did we get here um and the principle being is trying to look at it from this idea of either as a cultural thing or a a national thing or a, or a world or political or whatever um and they were going to create a video hmm. um and they were talking about, okay, what do we need to give them? And and I was very adamant. I was on the, I was on one side of this project in terms of it being open-ended, you know, no guidelines, no structure, let them go. And it was constantly being tapered by more reasonable reasonable (laughs) kind of of (laughs) of conversations from, from Stephen Allison. And So, so Steve is very more a type than I am. Um, And so what, what, what we finally came up with is we're going to make the rubric, the rubric is going to be impress me. Like, (laughs) Like make something cool, like do something cool, you know. Um, and so the hope was is that these kids would take this kind of open-ended project and make something that they were passionate about and, and they were interested in and, and tell this kind of complex story. And that's not that's not the way it went for, for a couple of different reasons. I think there was a small portion of the students that got into it and yeah. took it and ran. Yeah. Um, and, and came up with some very cool things idea. Uh, for the most part, students needed some structure. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what we, we realized is y- you can't just give them freedom, like 100% freedom, not because they don't want it, yeah. but because they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and it's bordering that idea of when are we teaching and when are we facilitating. Right. And the realization is there are times when we need to teach. Like, we need to teach them how to do whatever it is that we're doing and then facilitate their use of it as they take it in another direction or they take mm. it a step further. Um, for some students, we knew this was going to happen, that some students just more or less sat there for days. You know, just, you know we're happy <laughs> to just not have a teachers having them because we, we kind of made it a point to say we're not going to go around and, you know, tap on so- shoulders and, and force yeah. them into it. We wanted, we wanted it to be a choice. We wanted it to sure. be something that they chose to do. Um, but I've learned that uh a lot of teenagers are just happy to just sit there, you know, oh. like like they're just you know that that drive for something is, is not always common. Yeah. Um and so trying to balance that idea of of structure and open ended projects. And what was interesting about the whole thing is we said we don't want it to be graded um because we didn't want students to focus on the grade as a motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, and that backfired horribly on us uh, <laughs> because because what we found is is that's what they've been ingrained with for so long that that is their motivating factor. And what was interesting is we did a survey and we asked the students, you know, uh, what motivates you, you know, to to learn, what motivates you to participate, and they all said grades. Okay, awesome. Uh, Do you want us to grade this project? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so the number one thing that motivates you is the thing that you don't actually want us to do
1: yeah
0: it it put us in this weird kind of paradox because now we have to say okay either we we keep that kind of current process of the carrot being a grade yeah where they so focus on the grade that they don't think about the learning or we we go through this very very painful process that's going to be messy and and unknown Not just to them, but to us as well. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, (laughs) I think it's. I just love it. No, I think (laughs) it's it's fantastic
1: because it's it's really difficult to do things like that, and I think you're right. You know, there's this and there's a fine balance between how much structure you give kids and the openness. Open openness that you have to allow and that becomes a it's it's a it's a fine dance what percentage of kids do you what percentage of kids actually completed the the project or like what i would
0: what i would say is there maybe 10 or 15 percent that that kind of and are these
1: juniors these were juniors yeah
0: yeah and then there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of them in the middle ground that that were trying, but just couldn't quite figure it or wrap their head around it. And then there's the, so it's the bell curve. Like yeah, it, right. it, it was your very, very typical bell curve. Like most students were just kind of like, well, can you give us a little help or can you do this and kind of have an idea and we'll work at it, but they weren't taking it like the way we wanted it to. And then there's yeah. the, the group on the other side that were just kind of non participants, yeah. you know? And so um, what, what I found is that it's not even finding what's the proper level of structure and what's the proper level of facilitating some sort of opportunity for them to explore different ideas it's realizing that in a class of 30 students what you really need to do is say here is the structure that you can follow but please 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 feel free to go other directions with yeah you. yeah so they can fall back on the, got the, the structure they can fall back on the, that's the different strategies and, and tools that you give them right and there's a there's a check box they can follow and so it's kind of like our idea was let's build the plane while it's in the air.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And really what we've learned is you need to build it on the ground and then let them take it and then land it occasionally for adjustments.
1: Because, yeah, <laughs> I know, like that. I it, like it's that. It's just
0: not going to it's not going to work. And so so in a classroom of 30 students, what what we're kind of tooling with is the idea that you have a you have an option where you say this is the this is the standard option. Yeah. You know you're going to do this 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 and you're going to create this product yeah um if you want to take it outside of that we will help you but if you get scared you can come back and you or if you get lost or, or if, you, if you're unsure because yeah. there are a lot of students that are very much those a type students that just want to say just give me the steps yeah and i want to produce the ikea furniture just look, yeah da, 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 and i have it and i'm done yeah, yeah. Um, and there's value in, and i in that and i think that there's there's opportunities for students like that and, and sometimes we think everybody has to be the innovator. Well, I think there's opportunities for all sorts of yeah. learning styles and opportunities in the classroom. And so, how do you capitalize on that? I don't know. It's hard. Yeah.
1: It's difficult. And was this an individual project, or were the kids allowed to? Make they were it? allowed. They were allowed to work in groups, which once again may have been
0: a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they just kind of paired up with their friends, and yeah, and some took it and some didn't. You know, and and so it's it once again, it's it's hard figuring out what's the best way to do this, you know, uh, what's the best way to pair groups? What's the best way to make sure you have strong students, um, working in, in leadership positions. What's the way to have students that maybe want to facilitate a certain role, fill that role. Mm. Um, and how do you balance that out? It's, it's incredibly difficult. And so the framework, I think is, is the thing that you need to build and then you let them clothe it in whatever, you know, suits their fancy. Do
1: you think you'll try, do you think you guys will try this again?
0: I think we'll try something similar, but we we definitely, we definitely learned a lot of things. Uh, One of the things we learned is that uh, time is something that needs to be considered. Yeah. Uh, Because we, we introduced it, I think in November and said, oh, we're going to work on this till the end of the year. Well, most of them just checked out right there because it was like, oh, well, I've got six (laughs) months. I'm, I, you know, and and part of, part of it's just that, that, that teenage brain like, right. Two weeks from now is is not, not a real thing yet. Yeah. So and that, and we're talking about something. So if if we would do it differently, what I think we would do is we would do it in a series of, we're going to do these steps, and yeah. then we're going to go back and let you do these steps in the way that you want to take them. Hmm. But we have to show you the steps first because you need to know how to how to create whatever it is you're creating. Yeah. You know, um, once again. You need to teach them before you can facilitate yeah. whatever they want to do. And having the time thing would be a big change for us because uh, it's just not relevant if it's not right now. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah.
1: That's so true. You know, I mean, that is that's, it's part of the the world we're in. And I love that idea. Two weeks is a long time for for a teenager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. That's forever. Timing. You have to think of those timing things. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for spending a half hour with me here and talking through stuff. I really appreciate it. So many great takeaways for people that are listening just around, you know, how you structure these things. And, and, you know, I I really appreciate you guys giving it a go. I mean, if nothing else, you know, we need to be taking risks like this in our classroom because that's where we learn what works, what doesn't, what adjustments need to be made. You know, what what do we take away from that? And then and then go at it again. I mean, that's that's why they call it the teaching practice. So, yeah. I appreciate it. I will make sure that there is a uh, link to your blog uh, in the okay. show notes, so everybody can stop by and hear <laughs> <your> thoughts, <laughs> read, uh, read the rants. Yeah, uh, Gunnar's <laughs> yeah. got some great rants on his blog. Um, so yeah. feel free to you guys can head over there and get in touch with Gunnar, and then um, I'll also put any other links that you want there for for people. Yeah, sure, know. awesome. So, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Yep. Thank you.